Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland on News Talk. Now, my next guest is fascinated by the science behind influencing. He was named one of the top 100 influencers of 2016 by the uh, Science of Digital Marketing, and his blog has readers in 200 countries and was one of the top 30 psychology blogs of 2012, according to the online psychology degree guide. His latest book, The Influencer, was published last year. It's my pleasure to welcome to Down to Business, Brian Ahern. How are you, Brian? I am excellent, Bobby. How are you today? I'm real good. We might start off, Brian, by maybe you might explain to us your definition of the science of influence. Okay, well, I default to Aristotle's definition of persuasion, and he said that was the art of getting someone to do something they wouldn't ordinarily do if you didn't ask. And I think it's a great definition because it's about changing people's behavior, getting them to do the things that you need them to do so you can move the ball forward in your business. Okay. Um, first of all, you might tell us who uh, Ciadini is. I know you, you, you're a, a guru of his six principles, but firstly, you might give us a little bit of a background uh, to, the, to that person in question. Sure. Uh, Dr. Robert Cialdini is the most cited living social psychologist in the world when it comes to the science of influence. He's known as the, the godfather or the guru of influence. And Cialdini synthesized a lot of research, but also practical application where he took a three-year stint, a hiatus from his teaching at Arizona State University. And he went out into the real world and got jobs so he could observe those who were best at influence he stepped back. He took what he learned in the real world. He took what he knew from his research and he combined that. And he decided that there were pretty much six, now seven, he came out with the seventh principle uh, of persuasion, these uh, triggers that make it easier for us to say yes when we use them in an ethical manner with people. Okay. Let's have a look at a couple of those. Uh, the first one is I owe you, uh, i.e., um, I've given you something, so you have to give me something back. Uh, let's look at that. Sure. Uh, that's, well, that's called reciprocity. And reciprocity is the natural obligation we feel to give back to people who first gave to us. And if you think about it, Bobby, we are all conditioned. I mean, across the planet, we are all conditioned from childhood that that's the acceptable thing to do. When, when someone does something kind for you and you're a child, mom or dad probably said, what do you say? And you said, thank you. And you were being conditioned that when someone does something, there's an expectation that you'll do something in return. And every human society, to one degree or another, raises its people in the way of reciprocity. I think you used an example of, of maybe somebody in a restaurant, uh, a waiter or a server buying you a drink and giving you the bill at the same time. And uh, if, if, if he or she hadn't given you that drink, you mightn't be inclined to tip as much. Oh, absolutely. There, even something as simple as a mint, merely putting a mint down with your bill causes people to tip a little bit more. And if you get two mints, you tend to tip a little bit more even. And then if you are surprised by it, for example, if if you were the customer, Bobby, and I was the, the server and I put down one mint and I started to walk away and I turned around and said, you know what? I really enjoyed waiting on you. And I put that next mint down. One study shows that tips go up by almost 25%. So wow. yeah, we, we really feel this sense of, wow, that was nice. I should do something in return for this person. Let's look at another one, Brian, uh, scarcity. 
uh, scarcity. So, i.e., I make something less available, therefore, psychologically, there's more of a demand for us. Yeah, this is really hardwired into us. Uh, The research from social sciences, particularly Daniel Kahneman's work on what he called prospect theory, shows that we are much more motivated by what we might lose, that opportunity that we could lose, than it being framed in the very same way, but as a gain. And so what I always tell clients, it's it's not about going out and saying, rah, 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 here are the three things you want uh, from our company. It's, hey, Bobby, if you don't choose us, here's the three things that you're giving up. And that slight reframe from gain to loss causes significantly more people to want whatever it is that you're offering. So therefore, you, if you can, if you can couch your couch your proposition to something that uh, look, if you don't take this, the other guy is going to get it. You'll increase demand. Absolutely. And again. Uh, Daniel Kahneman won a Nobel Prize for his work in this area. So it's very statistically validated. One more I want to look at, Brian, which is the principle of authority. Um, and again, you, you give an example there where, you know, uh, a, a, a third party saying you're an expert is great, but no one checks the third party's credibility. I thought that was interesting. So, you know, we, we both know that, you know, if somebody else endorses you, it's better than you endorsing yourself. But no one actually checks uh, the credibility of the person making that endorsement. Is that correct? Yeah, that is. Yeah, that, that's true. I mean, if I am uh, introduced at a speaking event, nobody's probably going to go and and double check what that person just told them. But consider this, Bobby, your audience trusts you. Right. And so therefore, when you introduce me as an expert, part of your credibility is transferred to me because they know you, they've been listening to you, and therefore they trust you. And then as long as I'm giving you valid information about myself and my experience, then that becomes a much more powerful introduction than me trying to tell your listeners who might not have ever heard me before what my background is. Right. So if we look at those then, Brian, and we bring it back to, I suppose, modern uh, marketing and sales, and we look at, you know, online influencers in fashion, around food, some of these people have millions of followers, they get paid huge sums uh, for endorsing products. But often I wonder about how authentic they are. Can we chat about that for a second? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I think anytime somebody is being paid, there's always going to be a little skepticism from people, right? We're, we're skeptical of advertising because we know the advertisers want to sell us something. There can be some skepticism with influencers. Now, the influencer, though, who authentically built a following and gained that trust, even if people know that they're now being paid to talk about certain products, they are still going to be believed. But a key for somebody would be that occasionally they talk about a product and say, look, it just wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. That can help them establish their authority as well because they're trustworthy. They're like, hey, they're not always going to tell me everything is rainbow and and sunshine. They're going to occasionally tell me when I don't want to necessarily partake in a product or service. And what degree of authority do these influencers actually need then? So like, because, 
you know, you see some that were on, you know, a, a TV program, then they come off, they've got all these followers and they start selling suntan lotion or whatever it is. And really, they don't have any expertise in that area. Right. That is really based on trust. But you think about prior to influencers in the sense that we're talking today, celebrities were the ones who were uh, on television commercials and in print ads that were influencing us. And by the sheer fact that people felt like they knew them, that they liked them and they had some amount of trust, they believed that if they were talking about suntan lotion batteries or something else, they might be worth looking into. But there's always the chance that there can be a real disconnect between the individual and their background and what it is that they're talking about. And if there is a disconnect like that, it will not have as much impact on their ability to influence their audience in the direction that uh, that company would like them to. And do you think influencers then need need to renew their credibility? So after a while, if they're you know if they're selling stuff on the back of an appearance as a celebrity or whatever, do they not need to be, as time goes on, do they run out of road? Uh, if the, I think if they're being authentic and they're moving people in a direction where people recognize like, hey, I really did like the book that that person suggested or the restaurant that they uh, were talking about turned out to be a really good restaurant, they can continue like a snowball downhill to build their credibility. But again, I always think it's good that nobody's perfect and there are times where we make mistakes. And by admitting a mistake, maybe coming back and saying, you know, Bobby, uh, for you and people like you in the past, I recommended something, but I don't recommend it anymore. I was wrong. By admitting that, people gain credibility because, again, nobody is perfect. And so by admitting you have a, a weakness or a mistake, that's an enhancer of your authority. Uh, there's one more I wanted to look at with you, Brian, and that is... Uh Basically, the likability factor, i.e., I don't buy off people I don't like. I certainly don't, or at least I try not to. And the importance of your customer actually liking you. Can we talk about that for a sec? Absolutely. And you hit the nail on the head, Bobby, where you said you don't like to buy from people you don't like. I always tell audiences, people may not buy from you just because they like you but they'll almost never buy from you if they don't. And so it's incumbent upon you as somebody who is selling a product or service to engage this principle of liking. But here's the key, Bobby. It's not about me getting you to like me. It's about me doing everything I can to like you. Because most people, when they look at another individual and they really feel like that person likes me, there's a whole host of other positive attributes that come. And one of them is trust. Because I know you wouldn't manipulate your friends, Bobby. I wouldn't manipulate my friends. So let's do what we can to make friends of the people that we're interacting with. They see our authenticity. Both end up winning. And finally then, Brian, can I ask you, as from, from all your experience from writing uh, your book, The Influencer, do you see that many uh, brands will now choose to invest heavily in influencers as opposed to traditional, to traditional marketing. Do you think it's here to stay? Oh, I absolutely think it's here to stay. Uh, I don't know what the future will hold in terms of the next iteration, but I think influencers are closer to their audiences than celebrities used to be by just doing a television commercial or again, print ad, because 
they have to some degree, some interaction. And the little tidbits that those influencers are putting out on a continual basis allow their audience to really start feeling like they're getting to know them. And they will gravitate to people that they know, like, and trust. And so influencers, if they do a good job in those three areas, they should continue to increase their audience and help the brands that they're representing. Okay. And finally, I must ask you, with a name, a surname like a Hearn, uh, there must be a bit of Irish in you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, there is. Like when we connected and I mentioned that. And, and let me tell you this. This is really cool. It's going to sound a little weird to some people, but my daughter got married in June and she's our only child. And, you know, as a, as a guy, I'm kind of thinking like, well, will my name go on? She married a man named Tyler Ahern, spelled the same way. So no way. I, I really gained a son and my name will go on and uh, I, I love him like a son. It's awesome. Well, bring on the Aherns. We hope to meet you in Dublin or in Ireland someday, Brian. That's Brian Ahern there, author of The Influencer. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, it was a pleasure, Bobby. Thank you for having me on. Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland. Saturday morning at 11 on News Talk.